This is the way. This is the way God loved the world. Jesus Christ, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the way. The gospels flesh out this well-known verse from John 3, 16 in every way, providing details of the way God loves us. Today, we're gonna look at John 21 and the way God loved his disciples. You'll notice that in every action with his people, God redeems us from sin and he restores us from failure. You'll notice that Peter, like so many of us, encounters Jesus and has life-transforming experiences. But when he is turned up, he withers, as we do sometimes, when we wither, when that heat is turned up. He also, when faced with the concerns of the world, gets that life choked out and turns back to his old ways and what he knows. Perhaps you're here this day and you're identifying with Peter that the heat has come and you didn't respond like you wanted to or thought you would, or you've got the cares of this world are choking out the spiritual life in you and you, you feel empty. But as we go through this, you'll notice that not Peter not only returned to what he knew, but he did so in his own strength. Sometimes we, we try to do whatever it is we think God has called us to do, but we do it in our own strength, in our own time. And like Peter, we not only come up short, we come up completely empty. Perhaps you have been diligent in these past weeks and months and feel you've been working hard and doing everything that you know how to do and you still feel that it's been all for naught. There's been no fruit of your effort. There's been no harvest, whether it's spiritually or physically. And you can identify with Peter in that. And so I want you to pay attention to these things of what Peter experiences. And then, of course, I want you to pay attention specifically to his restoration. Because this morning you will see that Jesus has restoration for you. You'll see that he has purpose for you. You'll see that he has laid out breakfast for you. This is the way he loves you. So if you would, turn to John chapter 21. I'm gonna read through there and we're going to see what takes place. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples besides the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll go too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Jesus called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. 
Then the disciples Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore. For there were about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. Now, Come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. That Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. As I look at this passage of scripture here in John 21, a couple things really gripped my heart as I was preparing here. And I started with just later. You know, that just, the chapter started out with later. Well, what, what happened there? And I wanted to go back and just contextualize where Peter was, where the disciples had come through, because it had been quite a ride for three years. Peter had experienced a miracle similar to this three years ago, roughly, when they caught a fish, a, a load of fish beyond which the two boats could contain. And they met Jesus, and Jesus called him to come, and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter's response, as, long as, as well as some others, was to drop their nets and follow him. And so he had been called, and he experienced that call from Christ, and he had followed him. He also experienced Jesus' authority over the laws of nature. You know, he'd been out in the, in the boat with Jesus on the sea there, and the waves were getting big, and the white caps were crashing in over the sides of the boat, and the disciples were starting to panic, and they were, where's Jesus? You know, I don't know how big a boat is, but, you know, I would think I'd know where Jesus was in it, but anyway, he's sleeping. He's sleeping, and the disciples are beside themselves, and so they go and wake Jesus up and said, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to drown here, aren't, don't, you, don't you care? And what did they experience? Jesus rose, and he said, peace, be still. And what was high waves and white caps turned into a glassy sea, a calm, peaceful sea. Peter also experienced the supernatural experience of walking on the water with Jesus. You know, the disciples are out in the boat. Here comes Jesus walking on water. 
And Peter calls out to him, Lord, if that's you, command me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come. And I love Peter. He jumps out of that boat. He's walking on water to the Lord. Then, of course, we know the story, how he gets his eyes on the world around him and the, the turbulent waters that was going on, and he starts to sink, and he calls out to Jesus, and like Jesus always does, whenever we call out to Jesus, he's there with his hand, and he pulls him back up, and they walk back to the boat. So Peter experienced the call. He experienced Jesus' authority over the natural world. He experienced Jesus' transfiguration. When Jesus took him and James and John and they go up on the mount and his glory is, is revealed to them, I just, I can only think about that experience so long because there's, there's no, no context for me to think that what that must have been like. But what does Peter also experience? Peter also experienced God's revelation and Jesus' affirmation. There was a time when Jesus asked the disciples, well, who do the people say that I am? And they say, well, some of them say you're Elijah. Some of you say one of the prophets and so on and so forth. And Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter boldly proclaimed, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus affirms him and he says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. So Peter had experienced the revelation of God. And in so doing, Jesus affirmed him that, G, that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And I think about that experience, those experiences of Peter and, and all the disciples, and, and I just, just marvel. But then I'm also comforted by the fact that when uh, Thomas uh, has his interaction with Jesus after he's raised from the dead. You know, he, he, uh, Jesus tells Thomas, you've seen and you believe. And he says, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe anyway. And those who were a part of, we are part of those who have not seen and yet still believe. We haven't seen the risen Savior. We haven't seen him walk on water. We haven't walked on water with him, but we haven't seen, but yet we believe because God has called us in our hearts and we have responded to him. And like Peter, who had wonderful experiences and wonderful interactions with Jesus, each one of us here can remember the time and remember the day that our faith became real. The day that you stopped going to church because that's what your parents did and started going to church because that's what you do. For those of us uh, who weren't raised in church, you, know, you remember that day when Jesus got a hold of you and removed those blinders from your eyes and, and the faith became real and it became yours and you responded to him. But after all those experiences, we see Peter begin to act in his own strength. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what do we see? We see that Peter is not a soldier. He comes from fishing. The reason we know that is when he goes to protect his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all he's able to do is cut off an ear. If he'd have been a soldier, he'd have probably killed the poor fellow. But Jesus' response to that is to heal the soldier and rebuke Peter and says, do you not know that I have 
legions of angels at my, at my beck that if I call them, they will come and save us from this situation. However, if I do that, my purpose is not fulfilled here. Can you imagine loving someone in that way that you have the, you have the power and the authority to call all the angels in, the, in heaven to come save you, but my love, but his love for me, his love for you, prevented him from doing so. I, I find that utterly amazing. We also see Peter exalting himself a little bit. You know, when, when God, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says that the master is gonna get struck and, and, the, and the flock is gonna scatter. And what is Peter's response? You know, no, I, you know, I can just see myself doing this. No, Lord, not me. Even if all these other people leave you, I'm, I'm following you. I'm with you. I'll go to the death with you. And uh, we've all had experiences similar to that, not with, with regards to death, but we think we're gonna do thus and so, but when it comes down to it, we fall away quickly. And then, of course, there's the trifecta of denials from Peter. You know, the, the, the first time that the girl around the fire says, you, weren't you with the group of disciples? You know, the first, the first denial is one of those things, he just a deflection, you know. Nope, never knew him. You know, kind of those, one of those things you do when your wife, your spouse asks you something and you just try to deflect it. You know, I, I don't know anything about that. Well, then the second time she calls and says, no, I believe you, you were one with those disciples. Well, now he, he takes his authoritative stance and says, listen, I'm a fisherman. I don't know anything about these disciples. I've never known this person you call Jesus. And he lays out his case why he doesn't know Know the person. You know how you go from deflecting to making your case. But then the third time, she, uh, she says, no, I'm certain you're with it. No, well, now he's got to bow up. He's got to try to intimidate her to get her to back down. And he starts swearing and cussing and, and just un, un, you know, trying to intimidate her to get her to go away because he doesn't want to be included in this. And then immediately what happens? The rooster crows. And I love, I love the way Passion of the Christ portrays that scene that, you know, Peter and Christ are not really close, but, but Peter turns and looks at Jesus at that moment, and Jesus is looking at him, and I can't even only imagine what that must have felt like to be Peter. And then, like all the other disciples, he did leave. He was one of those that were scattered, and he went out and he wept bitterly. And I want you to consider the parable of the soils that we've heard about in the past, that there are, as Jesus sows the seed of the word, that it grows differently in different soils. Well, in, in this life of Peter, in this short time, we see him experiencing the heat of persecution in which he withers, which is that second soil. And in a moment, you're gonna see him experience the wheat and the tares and how it kind of chokes out out the life, and I know many of myself, and I know many of us here have experienced that, where the heat of persecution comes, and we, and we kind of wither, and we are like Peter, sorrowful that that is what was our choice. But the great news is that it didn't disqualify him from fulfilling Christ's proclamation about him. Jesus has said, you are Peter, this, is, this means rock, and I'm gonna build my church upon this rock. And even though Peter did these things, it didn't disqualify him because 
Peter didn't earn that position. Jesus just gave him that position. Like whatever position Jesus has given me, whatever position Jesus has given you, he's done that for his good pleasure. And we are to move it in his spirit, by his spirit, for his purpose, that we may grow the kingdom of God. Later, we see that Peter has seen the risen Savior twice. We have the first time that Jesus appears to them, and then the second time he appears to them, we see the interaction with Thomas, and Peter gets to see Thomas stick his fingers in Jesus' hands, gets to see him stick his hands in his side. So there's no question that Jesus is risen from the dead. You know, we, we've grown up with this book, and we know the story that Jesus rose from the dead. But if we lived it like the disciples did, you know, yeah, Jesus said he was gonna rise from the dead, but after, after he was crucified on the cross, after he was scourged and bled out with chunks of skin missing off his back, after his beard being plucked from the ground, look at that thorn crown right over here. Look at those thorns. Can you imagine those things being dug into your head and the blood that pours out of your head with that? And then at the end of all that, they shove that spear up his side and all that comes out. Yeah, he was clearly dead. <laughs> and it would be a hard thing for me to think that, oh, but he's gonna rise again in three days. But he did rise again. And he came and he saw these disciples. Which brings us to later. So John, Peter has seen the, the risen Savior not once but twice. And what is his response now? I'm going fishing. He returns to what he knows. Who here can identify to returning to what you know? I think we all can. We all can know and look back at times where we have returned to what is convenient for us, returned to what we know about. You know, he, he grew up fishing. That's what he did. He was a fisherman. Jesus is gone now. You know, Jesus has kind of been his meal ticket for the past three years. How am I gonna eat? What am I gonna do? So he goes back to fishing. And the disciples that were with him say, we'll go with you. And away they go. But why do we return to what we know? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing because we do it time and time and time again. And what happens? It always leaves us empty. Just like it left Peter and the disciples empty. They fished all night long and caught nothing. Neil, let me ask you a question, Neil. What's the longest you've ever fished and not caught nothing? Five minutes. <laughs> well, we know he's a fisherman. I can tell you I'm not a fisherman. I grew up on a little river in Kansas and I don't think there was one fish in that entire river. Um, so, the times I did fish, it was not, there was no success in it, so I'm really not a fisherman, you know, I would need to catch something within five minutes to continue fishing. Um, but uh, in all of Peter's efforts, the professional fishermen, they caught nothing. So dawn, the sun's starting to come up in the east, and there's a fellow over on the beach, and that fellow yells out to him, hey, you have any luck? you catch any fish? And uh, their reply back to him was no. No, we have not caught any fish. So he 
Jesus from the beach then yells out to him, well, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat. Specific instructions, specific instructions. Throw it out on the right-hand side of the boat. He doesn't say to try it. He says to do it, and you will make a catch. And Peter and the disciples repented from their own wisdom and their own pride. And I, I couch that to those terms purposely there because if I was in that boat and I had just fished all night long, I'm a professional fisherman, I had been fishing that whole area all night long and I'd probably been in that one spot 45 minutes and I ain't come up with a little sun perch that's got one of those itty bitty mouths that you can barely get a hook out of and he's telling me I'm gonna get a catch. But he, they repented and turned away from their own wisdom. They repented and turned away from the pride. Who are you? They didn't know it was Jesus at the time. Why should we do what you say? No, they just did it. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to do it. And they threw their net in the, fish, in the, in the sea and they came up with a bunch of fish. It says 153 large fish. Neil, how big is a large fish? I mean, if in, all, in all your experience, fishing the rivers and the lakes and the streams and whatever, what, what, when, when you wanna go home, and you're not telling a fish story, but you're, telling, you're being accurate, what would you say? Would you say a fish, a big fish is 10 pounds? You think so? Well, I use 10 pounds, I like it because it's easy for me to do math with. 153 large fish at 10 pounds a piece is 1,530 pounds of fish. That's a good catch, isn't it, Neil? I wouldn't want that catch. That's a lot of work. <laughs> but but, but you a little incredulous on that. Well, let's just cut it in half. That's 750 pounds of fish that Jesus just gave the disciples. So he gave them direction and he's also given them a catch, a catch beyond which they can consume. I mean, there's, you know, they, they can't eat that much fish. Well, when that happens, John, who wrote this gospel, said, it's the Lord. And I always love Peter's response. He, he leaves them hanging, puts his shirt on and he's headed to the beach because he wants to be with Jesus. I hope that's every one of our response. I just wanna be with Jesus. And I want, to, I want you to think about how Jesus must have received Peter. Uh, nothing is written in scripture, so anything we say is conjecture, but I can promise you one thing. He received him just like the prodigal's father received him. What do we remember back from the prodigal son when he comes back? That father's been looking for him to return and runs out and meets him and brings him back, puts the ring on him and the shoes on him and they kill the fatted calf and all that. Well, you know, again, it's not written in scripture, but I can just see Jesus running all the ways out in that water to meet him and bring him in because he always restores. He always redeems. But Jesus received Peter and then he fed him with purpose. Remember, when Jesus talks about feeding, what did he say about his food? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what feeds his soul. That's what moves him forward. That's what gives him purpose. 
And so he gave the disciples, for bring that fish in here, he said. So he fed them with purpose. He fed them with his will, with the Father's will. And so they bring the fish in. So he gave them direction. He gave them a catch. He received Peter. He strengthened their physical ability or their physical equipment. So we got to talk about 1,530 pounds of fish. That was some kind of net to drag all those fish through the water. And then he met their physical needs. You know, we're sitting around tables here. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. But that morning, those disciples had been out all night long fishing. You know, I think we kind of we kind of get in our heads, we don't understand what life at that time must have been like, but pretty much any time we wanna eat, we can eat. In that time, if you wanted to eat, you had to go catch a fish. You had to build a fire. You had to flay that fish. You had to cook that fish. You know, so I don't know if when the last time they ate was. Maybe it was eight o'clock the night before, six o'clock, maybe it was noon the day before. But the point is they were out fishing all night long and they come in and then Jesus feeds them breakfast. So he fed their, he fed their soul giving them purpose, but he also fed and met their physical needs. Because he said, how did he tell it to us? Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. For the heathens run around worrying about all that. I mean, just look at that. I can drive from here to Charlottesville and probably every quarter mile, I can find something to eat, whether it's a convenience store, restaurant, whatever. Oh, so Jesus, but Jesus said, don't worry about that. Your father knows what you need before you even need it. And then he restores Peter. He restores Peter because he never ignores our place. He never ignores our failure. He never ignores our sin. But when we return to him, when we repent, he always restores. He always redeems. And so Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And he says, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Take care of my sheep. A third time, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Now, something I don't want you to miss here. I have read this passage time again, and it didn't hit me until just yesterday. What time of day is this? It is morning time. It is morning time in a place where there's not a big city with big buildings where we go to work. It's a morning in a place where there's no television, no social media, no, no nothing. The social media was to go meet at the market or go down and meet at the, meet at the sea. So it's morning time and the people are coming. The people are coming. And Jesus has given them direction. He has given them a catch he has given them a fire to cook the catch on and he has fed them so they have energy to serve others. And he's also given them 1,530 pounds of fish. 
cut it in half. 750 pounds of fish to feed those people who were coming. And I can promise you that once they got there, they're fed. But, but you think about Jesus telling him, upon this rock I'll build my church. He just blew open the door of opportunity for ministry to feed people waking up and coming out into the world to feed their physical need and then have the opportunity as we see Jesus doing time and again, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000 and ministering to their needs. So Jesus restores Peter. And I, I look here in our body and it's, it's such a joy to have been a part of this church for so long and I'm really glad to be a part of the elder team and hear Adam's heart when we meet and the burden he carries, not just for our body, but for the body here in this whole valley and surrounding area. God has truly burdened him with feeding and caring for Jesus' sheep for letting the uh, gospel be preached in this area, surrounding areas. But the last time we met, he was like, how can, how, how, can we, how can we do it all? How can we do it all? And I'm gonna tell you how. Because it's not his job. Ephesians says that God gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists and teachers to teach us to do the work of the ministry. He can't do it alone, but what has God been doing at, with us in a body? Going from the high school to TPAC, back to the high school, out in the field and here. What are the fish that he has given us as a body to, to accomplish this service and to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ that people can have hope, that we can feed our people, that we can know and care for our people. We, uh, many of you here have returned to what you know. What are some of the things we know? Well, one of the things we know is fear. How many times you've seen that person and you, you know you wanna say something to them, you wanna, know, you wanna love on them some way, somehow. I don't know what that looks like, but all of a sudden, what happens? That knot gets choked up in our, in our throat and we, turn, we return to, 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 a, to a position and a response based more in fear. Well, maybe next time. We return to our phone, social media. Looking down at my phone, I left it at my table. But, uh, you know, because that, that's gonna help us connect. We're looking this like up. You know, we, we are deceived into thinking we're connecting with people and we haven't connected with no one. So Jesus is calling us, he's calling you to throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat. Are you ready for that catch? Because he has given us the direction he has given us our purpose. He's given us our sustenance. And now it's time for us to minister. 
Some of you know exactly what, what, what that calling looks like in your life. If you don't, well, I tell you what, if you walk straight down that hallway down there, there's a bunch of beautiful little children that you can feed and care for. There's neighbors right around your house that you can feed and that you can care for. So I'm calling you to throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat. See what God gives you and how you will serve with that. Trent, come on up here, come on up here. We got, we got communion today, which is part of God's provision for us. He says to do this in remembrance of me, remembrance of his provision, how he provided for us to redeem us from our sins. I want you to take a look at those elements there on, on your table. I want you to just think about Jesus for a moment. Look at that bread. What does that represent? That represents the, the body of Christ. You can go ahead. That represents the body of Christ. A body that was broken and beaten. Now, as you, as you do this, the only thing, the only rule this morning is that you can't serve yourself. You gotta serve somebody else and let somebody else serve you. That's the only rule because that's the rule Jesus gave us. We love one another as he first loved us. I love John, 1 John 3.16 I love John 3.16, obviously, but 1 John 3.16 has always meant a lot to me. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And so this morning, as we consider throwing our net on the right-hand side of the boat and his provision Think about these elements and think about the provision he has already given us. The stripes upon his back for our healing, broken body, and shed blood for the remission of our sins. So this morning I want you to serve one another. Break that bread and pass it around. Break that bread and pass it around and think about Jesus' provision for our healing. Preaching the gospel to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted. Setting at liberty the captives. Let's eat together. Do this in remembrance of me.
Lord, we thank you for not calling those angels. We thank you for love on the cross that held you there. We thank you that even those that tortured and tormented and made fun of you on that cross, you, in your unfailing love, you simply said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then Jesus said, take the cup. Because where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he shed his blood. Poured out every drop of blood and washed away the sin of the world. I always love what how John the Baptist introduces Jesus that day in the river, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right here is how that happened. So as you drink, drink with a grateful heart for your sins are washed away. Go ahead. Hallelujah. So Jesus has given us provision. He has given us provision and he is calling us to reach this area. And he's calling you to throw your net out on the right hand side of the boat. And as our lovely worship team here closes us out, I want you to I want you to mentally throw that out. And if you're not strong enough to throw that net out, you need to come. You need to respond to Jesus. You need Jesus. Because what, 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 if there's one thing that we saw today, it is that apart from him, we can do nothing. But through him, we can do all things. Through him, we can do all things. 1,530 pounds of fish. We can feed a lot of people with that. God has given us a place here to work from. He's given Adam connections and, and with church, the small churches throughout this area that are calling and asking for help. It's time for us to go take care of the sheep.